amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey there. Welcome to episode number five of Seeking Witchcraft. Today is going to be the divination part two episode, and I'm really excited to talk about everything today. Um, Before we begin, though, um, I do have a housekeeping thing that I want to get out of the way real quick. So I'm going to be hosting two giveaways, (laughs) Um, and I'm going to explain why I'm doing that and how to get involved with that a little bit later. Actually, it's going to be at the very end of the episode, Um, so make sure you stay tuned just to get some more details about that. I also have some really exciting news to share with you guys about this podcast, Um, but I'm going to discuss that at the end so we can go ahead and get started on today's topic because I do have a lot of things I want to talk about. Um, I also decided in lieu of just giving an activity that you, you could try at home with this, I'm actually going to be giving out some instructions on how you can create um, your own divination tool at home. Um, it should only cost about $2, uh, so it's going to be really cheap, which is great. Um, and I'll also tell you what to do with it once you've created it. So you'll be able to get the best of both worlds. All right, so we're just going to jump right in, and today we're going to be talking about the following forms of divination. We're going to talk about scrying, pendulums, tea leaf reading, palm reading, and runes. So first, I want to give a disclaimer that by absolutely no means do I consider myself a total expert in any or all of these types of divination. Um, You know, I've had to do a little bit of brushing up for some of the topics, but I do believe this episode can be helping you in just knowing um, a basic understanding of these different types of divination and also kind of help you identify which one you might want to try out if you are interested in getting your hands dirty (laughs) with one of these. As a reminder, though, not every form of divination is for everyone, but have the funds trying out different things to see where your talents lie. Keep in mind, too, that there's way more ways to divine aside from what I'm going to be talking about today. So don't think that between this episode and the last one that these are like the end all be all for divination. There's a lot more out there, <laughs> ones I've probably never even heard about. Um, but yeah, there there's a lot more. The last thing I want to say about this is um, divination does involve the use of tools, but ultimately the tools are there to help you develop your intuition. And if you're trying to get more involved in the craft, you need to develop your intuition. Listen to it, see what it's telling you, act upon it, you know, see where you go from there. Okay, so first ty- or first form of divination that we're going to talk about today is scrying. <laughs> so I am super excited about scrying because out of all the forms I'm going to talk to you guys about today, this is the one I'll say I have the most hands-on experience. Um, for my uh, group I'm involved with, I actually led a workshop on scrying, taught everybody how to use the mirrors. Um, and yeah, I really like scrying. So you might be wondering what exactly is scrying. Okay. <laughs> well, scrying is something that allows for psychic thoughts to come forth through the use of gazing into something. So some things that people use to scry 
include a black mirror, a bowl of water, smoke, flame, or the really cliche crystal ball. (laughs) But the use and practice of scrying is really there to help you develop your clairvoyance or your intuition, as I mentioned earlier. But scrying can be used for a variety of reasons. Um, You can use it to divine into the past, uh, you know, like such as looking into a past life. You can also use scrying to help you practice visualization, um, contact a spiritual guide, or help get yourself into trance. Um, So there's more than just one use of trying to see the future (laughs) if you're scrying. So let's see. I'm pulling up my handout I actually gave my group. All right. So with scrying, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you first how to create your own scrying mirror. So this is going to be your thing for today. (laughs) So the way to make a scrying mirror, so a scrying mirror is a black mirror. You may have seen these at your local witchy stores. You might find them on Etsy. They're quite expensive (laughs) uh, to to, uh, buy them, but they are very inexpensive to make. So this is what you're going to do if you want to try to make your own. All you have to do, go to the dollar store or get an old picture frame and you are going to get a can of spray paint, black spray paint. Um, If you go to Walmart, you can get a super plain can of black spray paint for 97 cents. And if you go to the dollar store, you can get a picture frame for a dollar plus tax. So this can be a $2 project. All you're going to do is you're going to take the glass in the picture frame. You're going to take it out. You're going to wipe it down, try to make sure there's no dust on it or anything, and you're going to lay it on some newspaper or cardboard or wherever you may have laying around. And you are going to spray one side of the glass. Um, You're probably going to have to do a couple coats, so this will take a little bit of time to do. So make sure you spray it in an even manner. Don't just, you know, spray right in the middle and then kind of go from there. Try to do it um, in lengths, if that makes sense. Um... But yeah, so spray your mirror, spray it a couple times, spray it evenly, let it dry. Um, And if you're doing this outside, which I would recommend you do it outside, uh, be aware that if you're like by a tree or something that you may have some leaves that try to fall into your paint, which could mess up the, um, the mirror. So I don't know, just be aware that that's a thing. If you have like an umbrella or something, you could put it under or like a chair. That'd be great. If not, it's not that serious. But I've made a lot of scrying mirrors, so (laughs) I'm just trying to save you guys from um, the mistakes I made or things I hadn't considered. Okay, so once it dries, what you're going to do is you're going to put it back into the mirror with the painted side down. So when you look through your picture frame, all you're going to see is the glassy side of the mirror that doesn't have the paint. And when you look at it, it should be dark enough where it's completely black. So then, you know, once you put it in your picture frame you should have a scrying mirror yay (laughs) super cheap scrying mirror and you probably don't have to pay 20 30 dollars for one all right so scrying mirrors there's a couple things you want to know about them some tips um scrying mirrors are associated with the full moon so they're a really good tool to use um to put on your windowsill at during full moons and you can even put your crystals on top of them for an added boost Scrying mirrors, though, you do want to keep the surface protected and covered when it's not in use as it is considered to be porous. And what I mean by that is 
people say that it can kind of um, attract and hold any like stagnant or negative or even positive energy that's around. Um, it kind of draws it in. So you want to make sure you do keep it covered up when not in use. Um, you can put it in a bag or you can just put something over top of it. You know, try not to scratch it. But I would say to keep it covered. Okay, so one of, some other stuff with scrying. Um, scrying does involve the ability to visualize both in the real world as well as internally. So before you immediately try to scry with your mirror, um, try to practice this technique. Um, you know, and what I mean is before you immediately try this, just just try this activity first. <laughs> so you want to sit with your mirror in a darkened room. You don't want the lights to be fully off as you want to be able to see your mirror, but you don't want anything to be reflected into it. So you may have to position it a certain way. You don't want to see your reflection in it. With this, you want to try practicing um, visualization with your mirror. So try to look into your black mirror and see, can you visualize a carrot? (laughs) Can you visualize a cat? Can you visualize a candle? Try to practice doing that. Um... Try to imagine if that item is directly out in front of you through your mirror, as if you can reach in and pick it up. Um, You know, I would say maybe start with something simple, like a simple object like an apple, or just trying to see if you can see the color green or purple or something like that, and then gradually move on to other objects that are a little bit more complex. Doing this exercise allows for you to strengthen your inner vision, as well as have you um, start becoming comfortable with your mirror. Okay. Um, so the other thing I want to say about scrying mirrors, (laughs) now I'm racking my brain for this one moment. Um, yeah. So when you use your scrying mirror after you feel comfortable uh, with your visualization, this is how you would actually want to try to use it for, um, divination purposes. So some people like to create a secret space. They may cast a mirror, a circle, um, or some people just might meditate with their mirror and you want to state your intentions for why you're using it. So you're going to do kind of what I mentioned earlier. You're going to place your mirror on some sort of surface where, um, you can't see your reflection, but you can see the mirror. So you want to make sure your room is dark. Some people put their, put a candle behind the mirror or maybe behind them. I will say if you are doing this by candlelight, your candle does flicker, so make sure that's not going to be something that bothers you. Uh, Another thing with candles, though, is that you can use an appropriate color color correspondent, oh my goodness, uh, dependent on your desired use of the candle. So, for example, if you want to help develop or practice your clairvoyance or psychic abilities, you could use a purple candle that you have burning behind um, your mirror as you use it. Uh, if you want to get in touch with like a particular god or a goddess, you may use a candle that's associated with them. Um, you know, for example, a god with associated with fire may prefer to may prefer a red candle. So, there's a lot of different things you could do. Um, if you don't have all that, white candles are always universal. But yeah, so you sit in the room with your mirror. Um, make sure nothing is reflected in it. So over time, your mirror kind of resembles what I would like to call the void, <laughs> or maybe just a dark hallway. From there, you just want to stare into your mirror. Um, You do eventually want it to become as if it is like a hallway in front of you, as if you can kind of put your hand through it and reach out and grab something or like you can enter into another portal or something. Um, 
yeah, I, it may take a little bit of time to work up to your mirror turning into something like that, especially if it's your very first time using it. So if you don't get that right away, don't be discouraged. Um, this is a little bit more of an advanced technique for divination, but it is a very cool thing to do. Um, the other thing is that if you don't have access to making a black mirror, you can also just use a dark bowl with some water in it. So if you have like a black bowl, just put some water in it. Um, there's a lot of different things you could do. I think scrying is pretty cool because um, it helps you not only um, divine, but it can help you with veg- visualization and it can also help you get into a trance or a meditative state, um, which is always great to practice. So that's a little bit about scrying. Um, next up, we're going to move to pendulums. So you may recognize these if you've been to your local witchy shop. These are things that are um, long chains and they usually have something pointed at the end. Usually a crystal, but it can really be anything including a piece of metal or glass or wood, etc. Pendulums are used to ask a lot of yes or no questions. Um, Some people also use their pendulums sometimes for healing purposes, but that is something we could talk about at a different time (laughs) because that's not what today's episode is about. But they are used for more than just um, divination purposes. So the way to use a, a pendulum is you hold it in your hand, usually between your fingers, and a lot of people rest their elbow on like a table or something. Um, And you ask it uh, questions, usually yes or no questions. But I do want to say, as you may know, tools, especially if they have some sort of crystal with them, usually have their own personalities. You kind of got to figure out what that means. So this definitely applies to pendulums. (laughs) When you're using one, you don't want to approach it with the fixed mindset of saying, okay, cool, I'm going to use the pendulum today. And if it moves back and forth, I'm going to assume that that means yes. And if it moves up and down, that means no. That's cool and all. But you have to let the pendulum tell you what it wants to do. So to do this, what you'll want to do is, you know, rest your elbow on the table, hold your pendulum up, and try to not make any movements and get it as still as possible, which is something in itself that may take some practice doing. Then you'll ask your pendulum, what do you want yes to mean? What do you want no to mean? It may take some time to get it to respond to you and your energy. And I would say if you can't get it after a couple minutes, you know, I I would want to say 10 to 15 minutes, but I realize that's a really long time to stand or to sit at a table with a a pendulum in your hand. Um, You know, put it away after what you think has been a good amount of time and try again another time. Um, I'd also recommend putting it next to you as you sleep so you and your tool can bond a little bit better. But once it does start moving, um, I would start testing it out by asking it questions that you know the answer to, such as, do I own any pets? Do I work on Tuesdays? Things like that. See if it responds the way that you want it to respond. On a personal note, I do own about two or three pendulums. I love the way they look. I think they're really cool tools. But try as I might, they really just don't vibe with me, which is a, a really unfortunate. So I'll say, uh, you know, don't feel so bad if pendulums end up or if any of these divination tools end up not being the one for you. Um, you know, I really like scrying, but pendulums and I just, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. I'd also say that if you are getting a pendulum with a crystal, which I would recommend a crystal one, um, make sure you do some homework on the crystal that's actually attached to it. Uh 
just giving kind of a lame example, but you'll get the point. You don't want to get one that has a rose quartz, which is usually aimed towards like love. Um, If the only questions that you're trying to ask it in the moment are things that are like negative ones, like, hey, what's my enemy or like, what's my ex-boyfriend doing? (laughs) Uh, You know, if you don't like your ex-boyfriend, you you don't want to be using a correspondent of a certain type of energy if that's not the energy you were trying to tap into. So I'd recommend getting a neutral stone just as maybe a regular quartz or even an amethyst, which is could be protection, which is always great to have. Um, but yeah, see what works for you. And uh, yeah, good luck with pendulums. If that ends up being your thing, that's awesome. <laughs> Please tell me about it because I cannot get mine to like me. All right, next we're going to talk about tea leaves. So tea leaf reading involves the use of loose leaf tea. Um, So if you're thinking to yourself, oh, awesome, I have tons of tea in my cabinet right now. I want to say that if you have just regular tea bags, there's a chance that that might not actually work for tea leaf readings, unfortunately. But, um, you know, if that's all you have, then try it. The issue with um, the tea bags is that when you do a tea leaf reading, you want to use tea leaves that... You know, they have been ground up, but you don't want them to be finely ground up because that can cause them all to stick together. And as I go on and explain how to do a tea leaf reading, you'll see how that could be a problem. So if you buy the loose leaf tea, such as Tivana when they were still in business, what they used to sell, or David's tea, um, like things like that work great. But, you know, if you can't do that and all you have are your tea bags, work with what you have, see if it works. Um, not all companies make their teas finely ground, so you might be able to get away with it, but just keep in mind that you do what usually want to use a leaf that is a little bit bigger than finely ground. So what you'll do is pretty simple when you're doing the tea leaf reading. What you'll, all you'll do is you will put the loose leaf tea in your cup, add some water, let it steep, um, and during all of this, you want to think of the question that you're asking. So for example, you could be saying, am I going to get that promotion? Um, So just keep that in mind, especially when you're drinking it. So after a couple minutes, once it seeps, I'd probably say about three minutes or so, drink the tea. Um, But make sure you leave a little bit of uh, liquid at the bottom, just enough so that the tea is able to stick to particular areas of the cup without all sticking to itself. Um, One thing to keep in mind if you're doing a tea leaf reading because when I did it, I didn't really consider this. I really like tea, but when you're using loose leaf tea, you're most likely going to drink a good portion of it and it's going to get stuck in your mouth, which (laughs) is unfortunate. So if you're doing this, I would say don't use the biggest mug that you have (laughs) in your house and fill it up all the way to the top with water because that's, uh, it's going to be unfortunate if you have to spend a lot of time trying to choke down tea leaves in your mouth so try to use a smaller cup don't use a ton of water unless it is just a small cup you want to you know fill up to the top but yes keep that in mind as some people do have a texture thing I don't have a texture thing but even this was a lot for me (laughs) so just prepare yourself for that possibility okay so after you drink the tea there's a tiny bit of liquid at the bottom of the cup um you're going to go ahead and read it so there's a lot of different ways that people read tea leaves um but this is how I like to do it. I like to swirl the cup in a clockwise motion three times just to kind of spread the tea out a little bit more. Um, and then I'll go like this. Some people like to look at their tea leaves and see if they can see some imagery at the bottom of the cup. But I think the easiest way to do it is to treat your teacup as if it's a clock that represents a calendar. So 
there are 12 months in a year and there are 12 hours on a clock. So if you take the handle and you have that up, so that would be 12 o'clock and that, or that would be December. One o'clock would be January, two o'clock would be February, so forth and or so on and so forth. Um, from there, you want to see how your tea is scattered around the cup. So do you have a lot of tea leaves in the winter months? So maybe, you know, 12 through four o'clock, so December through March. Or are the tea leaves pretty spread out? Um, you know, is there one area in the cup in particular that all your leaves tend to be? You know, see what months seem like there's going to be some sort of event happening. You know, if you don't have anything in June or at six o'clock, then maybe nothing's going to happen during that month. But it's just some things to, or I guess, well, yeah, I guess June would be six. Eh, whatever. <laughs> but yes, uh, treat it as a clock. See where your tea leaves bunch up and then kind of go into it saying like okay during this month it looks like there's a big event that's going to happen here and maybe the month after there's still going to be some sort of activity but it might be a little less and go from there if you want to use imagery a lot of people when they do tea leaf reading just try to look for literal symbols or images in their cup so they might look for like a heart or a cat or a car something like that you could do that too if you're treating this like um like a calendar because maybe during one of the months there might be a big heart <laughs> in the corner of your cup and you know that could be a good thing so see what works for you um you know do you want to do the shapes or do you like the clock I personally like the clock um and then you know go from there okay so palm reading is next palm reading is one of the tools that I do consider to be a little bit more advanced but I am just going to give you a super quick overview of um what it's about if you're more or if you're interested in learning it um, I would say to go ahead and google because I am really just going to do a very very brief <laughs> overview of this um, this is how palm reading goes so if you identify as female your right hand is supposed to represent what you're born with and your left hand is supposed to show you what you've accumulated in your life this is supposed to be vice versa for those who identify as male but another way that people read their palms is by doing it by their dominant hands, where their dominant hand is the one that's representative of their present or past life, and their non-dominant uh, being their future. Really, there's a lot of debate on how people view this, kind of like every form of divination or witchcraft literally ever, in case you haven't noticed uh, a common theme here. Um, but do what feels right for you. And <laughs> that's, that's kind of a, how this sort of thing goes. All right. So when you're looking at your palm, you have, four, uh, you know, obviously a bunch of different lines through it. Uh, but there's four major lines that palm readers look for. And these lines represent the heart, head, life and fate line. But not everybody has the fate line. Um, palm readers will look into the way that these lines are shaped or positioned in order to determine um, your past or future self. Because there's so many variations out there of how the lines in your hands can be, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that um, because you can look up, you know, where the heart line is, if it's really high up or if it's squiggled, those can all mean different things. <laughs> and a lot of websites meet or say different things. I, I don't know. I'd recommend maybe buying a book on palm reading. If this is something you want to get, in, want get into, get one with um, some good reviews and go from there. Um, but it is a little bit more advanced just because there are so many variations that you can find when you're doing this. All right. The last form of divination I'm going to talk about are runestones. 
So runestones are stones, obviously, <laughs> that have a, sorry, I'm a little saucy today. They have a uh, specific alphabet on them that's supposed to help you identify an answer to whatever question you're trying to ask. And don't worry, um, I know the alphabet on them is a little intimidating to see at first, but you can always look up the meaning of the stones online, or, or sometimes they come with a book that says it. But runes generally all use the same alphabet, so it won't be as complicated to look up what they mean as what you may think. So people use runes in a lot of different ways. Um, some people just pull out one stone from a bag just to answer a question, or they might grab a handful or even the whole bag and throw the bag out in front of them um, with the ones that, and, and the way they do it is the ones that face up from when they throw the stones are the ones that are supposed to have answers to what you're asking. Now, runes don't have to be stones. Um, they don't, and they don't have to be store-bought crystals with symbols on them, which is something you may find a lot of on Etsy or Amazon. Um, they could be made in a lot of different ways. You can actually make your own rune stones too, which is another thing I'd recommend if you are trying to um, cut down on some cost. Uh, I would recommend gathering some nature-made materials. So a lot of people might use uh, seashells. Sometimes people even use bark, but you want to make sure you're using a good piece of bark if you're doing this so it doesn't disintegrate. Um, and some people even use bones like chicken bones <laughs> or uh, small animal bones that they find outside. Whatever works for you, no no judgment here or anything. <laughs> um, so they'll gather these materials and then they'll put the runic alphabet on them. Now, I'd want to say this about runes. I may get a lot of people who disagree with me on this, but I kind of see using runes as very similar to using tarot or oracle cards because ultimately you're pulling from a random assortment of runes and you're just getting a symbol which is supposed to help you answer your question. This reminds me a lot of the cards because it's like, sure, it's a physically different tool, but the root and actual action of what you're doing when you're using runes just reminds me very like so much of tarot because tarot, you have a stack of cards and you're drawing a random card and there's a symbol that's on that card essentially. And it's supposed to answer whatever question you may have. So I see them as kind of similar. <laughs> a lot of people might disagree on this with me. Um, but it's kind of just how I view runes. Alrighty, so those are all the things that I wanted to cover. So now I'm going to get into the last part, which I'm going to talk about the giveaways and the exciting news I have for you guys. So uh, just to start, I would love to hear your feedback about what you would like the next episode to be. I've really been toying around with what I want it to be about. I'm not sure if I want to do the wheel of the year um, or if I want to do just an entire episode on the different tools that people like to use in their practice. Um, I'm not really sure if you guys would even be interested in that. So uh, I would love if you can send me a message on Twitter or just tweet me. You can find me at Seek Witchcraft, all one word on Twitter. Um, please let me know what you would like to know. I would love to do an episode based on whatever the uh, listeners want to know. The other exciting news I have is that I have been in contact with an initiate of a Gardenarian coven, and they would uh, are willing to come onto a podcast and help answer some questions that you guys have. So yay, that'd be really cool to do. Um, so I need you guys, if you would like that to happen, is to just send me some questions that you'd like to answer um, or you'd like him to answer. So 
again, he is an initiated member of a traditional witchcraft um, Garnerian coven. So he can answer your questions, but he can't obviously answer anything that's oath bound, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but he is more than willing to talk about whatever you guys might want to know. Um, so send in your questions. Again, you could just tweet me or you can message me, whatever you'd like to do. And um, he will come on a future episode and try to answer this for you guys. All right. And the last thing I'm going to mention is going to be about the two giveaways that I'm going to do. <laughs> so one giveaway I'm going to do is just going to be um, in honor of the divination workshop uh, or the divination um, podcast that I'm doing. So I am going to be sending a lucky listener a divination tool. It's going to be a surprise. Um, so the way to enter that is just to send me a message on Twitter and tell me something about the Divination podcast that you liked or you learned or want to know more about or are considering buying, just anything about Divination tools. And I'll go ahead and enter you into the contest. Um, the second giveaway that I'm going to be doing, it's going to be for another surprise um, prize. <laughs> and the reason I'm doing this is because earlier this week, I discovered that I have had over a thousand listeners listening to this podcast, which is really, really cool. Um, I was very, very excited to hear that. And some of the things that you guys have been telling me on Twitter have been just so incredibly sweet. And um, I just feel so lucky that people are actually listening to this and um, taking advice from things that I'm saying. And it's, it's really so wholesome and heartwarming. And you guys really do mean a lot to me. And so I want to do another giveaway just for that. So I'm going to be hosting those two giveaways. I will say, I, I apologize, but I do want to keep this for those who only live in the United States um, because uh, international shipping is very expensive, unfortunately, <laughs> and uh, student loans suck. So yes, this is unfortunately just for people in the United States. But even if you live not in the United States, you are more than welcome to send me a message. Um, let me know what you want to hear on the next podcast or something you liked or learned from the these episodes or something you would like to ask the um, initiated member of a Gardnerian coven. So when they come on a future episode, we can go ahead and address that. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and leave this at that. But I hope you guys all have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you so much again for listening. You guys are seriously the best. And I will see you in the future. And please let me know what you want me to talk about. I would love to do what, uh, an episode on whatever you guys want to know. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.